You ever look up at the moon and be like, damn, I wonder if Matt or any of the other people I work with is also looking at this moon. <laughs> I mean, Matt is the only one who could like conceivably look at the moon because he has some outdoor space in his apartment. Oh, yeah. But like, I, I would never, ever, ever possibly imagine that Felix is looking at a moon at night. Yeah. And not, <laughs> unless it's the moon on the Fortnite island. Yes. Like yeah. the, 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 look, like looking the, at like the moon the, is the now Scott illegal. Moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't look at the moon in quarantine anymore. Nope. No, no these people will call you out. Wow, way to get everybody killed by looking at the moon. My new favorite thing is all the people calling out Amber for calling out the people getting mad at her for like talking about how people are snotty about wearing the masks. It's like so many layers of resentment and pettiness. I I love it. We all just (laughs) want to peck each other like chickens in one of those industrial coops. If you don't wear glasses, if you wear glasses, you shouldn't have to wear a mask, is what I'm saying. Because it's it makes them fog up. No, and you're not doing it right. Yeah. And well, also, I, yeah. if you have a beard, because the beard would catch most of those, you know, <laughs> yeah. germs anyway, so it's not necessary. Dude, I just don't get, just literally close your mouth, it's the same thing as wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> don't breathe when you're like, outside. It's not just hard. Like, okay, you I mean, like... Hold your breath when you're walking by like anybody, and you're good. <laughs> I don't think that's true, Bruce. I'm, see, yeah, no, I'm I'm getting ready to I'm a getting ready to go home to live in the house of the Lord, and B I'm getting ready to uh, just be like a like a Mr. Trump, free to liberate this country, sir, please, <laughs> and just because I I don't want to wear this fucking mask anymore. It was like 80 degrees in New York, and we were walking around, and I'm just like I can't do this. I'm breathing my own hot, disgusting breath back into my lungs. That's going to kill sucks. me. I like really resent I resent I liked Amber's piece because one people don't write pieces like that anymore but also because I resent I hate wearing the mask I do it but I resent wearing the mask and then and then I feel shame for the resentment and I don't you know I don't want to feel shame anymore unlike you white women I feel neither resentful nor shameful (laughs) ever but I get it it's 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 difficult for me I don't I just don't like it because People can't see if I'm smiling at them. <laughs> see, I think the only like utility for me is that it just stops me from touching my face all yeah. the time in public. Yeah, because you know, like good. from the, from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed, you know, I am I just I, I need to touch my face. I need to pick my nose. Need to stick my all five fingers in my mouth. Yep. yep. <laughs> need to scratch I, like, my ears. I, straight up, like I suck my thumb and like. <laughs> Something like 20% of American adults, adult males do that, maybe 30, 35% of uh, adult women. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, I get that the mask works for some people, but like for some people, like, the only thing to make us less anxious is to suck our thumbs. And it's like, I am, I'm not like a baby, but like, yes, I, like, it's a dialectical relationship. I was a baby. I became an adult. Now I'm, you know, something of an adult baby. And it's like, (laughs) I have to suck the thumb. I'll be real with you, a great trick to, like a good party trick, pretty much the only party trick I know, is to go up to somebody, like a guy, this doesn't really work 
on I guess like a woman could do it. it just, you should do it with a guy and be like, are your nipples hard? And they'll be like, no. And then, then you know, be like, trust me, watch this. Flick one. Be like, wait 10 seconds. Have them count to 10. They touch their nipple. They have one hard nipple. And the other one's soft. <laughs> so really, it's, I'm telling you, it sounds stupid when I say it out loud, but it, it does work really well in practice. I don't I do the, I do the, think anyone I should do, do the that. Same, yeah, I do the same trick, except I just put one ball in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm able, due to like um, just advances in stretching technology, I can give myself Arabian goggles, which is pretty... <laughs> a lot of guys can't do that. What is that? It's, we'll talk oh, about yeah, that I'll, after. Okay. I'll put it... I'll put it <laughs> Uh, I, I can't explain it to you, uh, Liz. I, I can, but I can, sh- but I can show you. Shouldn't, yeah, shouldn't I'll, I'll, as, I'll let you. Yeah, shouldn't they be Israeli goggles? Realistically, <laughs> well, I mean, if there's anything we've learned from, um, well, I guess that should be helmets. Considering, I just think that's a fucked up joke to make in light of what happened. <laughs> you know, yes, maybe a goggle would have prevented a rock from going into that Israeli soldier's <laughs> eye socket, <laughs> pinging around in his brain like a five-five-six bullet, and leaving a hot fucking nubile great looking widow out there <laughs> for me to try to find and Facebook message and then later turn into a WhatsApp style uh, you know transatlantic also Mediterranean relationship so like yeah I think it's fucked up that you're making fun of the dead husband of the Israeli widow that I'm gonna have sex with at her husband's funeral yes so we have with us here today Matt Chrisman and uh, and 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 Billy Miniker. Actually, that's pretty good. Uh, Billy Miniker from the from the uh, the radio publication Chapo Trap House. How you fellas doing? Doing good. Not bad. Not bad. A pleasure and a joy as always to uh, to join you. Um, we are uh, we're very excited to have you here tonight. This is. I feel like we had to call in the experts for this stuff. Yeah, we we. We had to get in the two bad boys of Brooklyn Media <laughs> to help us dissect uh, this new, I mean, I guess the Atlantic devoted an entire issue to conspiracy theories. Look at that. I am, I'm very excited about this because I get a lot of, I, you know, I'm a devout reader of the Atlantic. And- <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, had me on, and I'm glad the Atlantic has, uh, you know, I guess, you know, uh, debuted a new uh, cover cover story or just like an entire issue, and now I don't know, mini series called Shadowland. Shadowland. Oh about my the conspiracies God. that are, you know, um, uh, I guess like according to the Atlantic, the conspiracy theorists are winning, so that's good. But I also like it because I have devoted so much of my own conspiracy plotting to taking down the Atlantic Monthly because <laughs> it, uh, it is something that I'm on record as stating as the single worst magazine in American history, if not mm-hmm. world history. Like, yeah. it, it, is the, it, is the, it is the worst possible poison that you can put in your brain. Is and that's like the saying Atlantic a lot. Monthly. That's and, like, saying you know, a lot because you've and, you got know, like the New Republic on, and the yeah, New Yeah, I cut my teeth on New Republic, National Review, Weekly Standard, Commentary Magazine. I mean, they're like the list goes on and on, but like... In terms of sheer damage done to the the soul, mind, and minds of this country, the and like the probably the worst people working for it and editing it, the Atlantic I think is still top dog. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty undefeated, and it's certainly. I mean, 
when did Jeffrey Goldberg took over when in like 2016, 2015, something like that? yeah, it was like it's fairly recently. No. But I mean, he he he'd been it a contributor earlier. to them for a long time. Yeah, and you know, like like I like you know, who can forget such classic Jeffy Goldberg Atlantic cover stories as um, the attack on Iran will happen now. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna. It's happen, happening yeah. while we speak. It's already happened before you well, even read this. Well, that's that's why you could imagine my confusion when they said they had a whole issue to, about conspiracy theories, and it wasn't just Jeffrey Goldberg talking about Iran and <laughs> nuclear weapons. Oh no, it wasn't mentioned. I believe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jeffrey Goldberg wrote a, uh, like 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 one of the most heralded pieces in the lead up to the Iraq War in the pages yeah. of the New Yorker. In the pages of the New Yorker, that was literally a conspiracy theory. Like these people, they they love conspiracy theories so long as they're the ones writing them. I mean, but like Jeffrey Goldberg's piece in the New Yorker was just based like all on like I think one source that was wildly discredited, like even yeah. at the time he published it, that was like all this bullshit about like Saddam's connections to Al Qaeda. Yep. Yeah. Like just like, and the meeting in Prague, it was just this like, just a straight stovepipe from like Dick Cheney's ball sack to like the pages of the New Yorker. And, you know, like, I mean, we'll get into it, but like in, and my, my main takeaway in reading like, you know, a bunch of these, these big stories in the Atlantic this month is that like at no point, do they ever mention the conspiracy that was everything about the lead up to the war in Iraq? And I mean, like, like, like the case for the war in Iraq was a conspiracy theory, like a textbook definition of a conspiracy theory. 100%. Even like, and like, you know, like, like and I'm saying like the, the popular definition of something believed by lunatic, invented by and believed by lunatics. And like at some level, the people using like were no, knew it was untrue and was just getting off on, you know, selling it. Alex Jones comes in for a lot of abuse here, but like Alex Jones is like, there's not that big of a difference between Alex Jones and Jeffrey Goldberg, in my opinion. It's just that Alex Jones is cool and Jeffrey Goldberg isn't. That's basically 100%. Yeah. The only, the only difference between those two that I can come up with. Well, Alex Jones is also a scientist and Jeffrey Goldberg is, I mean, apparently he, you know, I respect a guy going from a proletarian profession, like prison guard to being a, you know, editor-in-chief at a very powerful uh, bullshit moron magazine. But, yeah, <laughs> Jones is no no such trajectory. He's just a, he's a media guy through and through. And Goldberg here has at least got a little bit of the, uh, you know, uh, salt of the earth about him. Like, you know, like like Alex Jones's famous, um, you know, like uh, audio drops about the frogs turning gay. I mean, 15, 20 years now on, like, what looks worse Alex Jones talking about how like the proliferation of chemicals is like fucking with the you know the hormones of animals, or Jeffrey Goldberg saying that uh, those who haven't studied the Middle East uh, would you know like I have uh, believe that the war in Iraq is a mistake. But if you live there and like loved it as much as I did, you, you'd realize that it will be the cause for us to be respected there for generations to come. So I mean, what cool. looks worse? What looks more disconnected from reality and right. more cynically uh, engineered in the first place to just you know fool and um, bedevil the minds of the ignorant yeah and famously i'll say you know it's interesting no one cares i mean I've, i don't think i've ever seen any kind of deplatforming campaign waged against jeffrey goldberg or for that matter any journalist who parroted similar bullshit lines about the lead up to the, the iraq war at all these people all have jobs yeah well it's it's i mean Anyway, never going to happen. They're the people that you got to put your resume into. 
Um, so the first article here is from my favorite, absolute favorite. In fact, the only genre of article I read, which is a journalist talking about their experience as a journalist. Oh, we love it, don't we, folks? <laughs> we love it. I will say, I will say, about good sixty percent of the journalism I've read in my life is just like an essay about something that happened to the journalist, and uh, and and the Atlantic does not disappoint with this one. You gotta love uh, a personal essay. Personal so essays in the Atlantic. This one is called "I Was a Teenage Ex- a Conspiracy Theorist" by Chrissy Abbott, and it seems to be about. A single day in fucking high school where her very <laughs> baller and extremely cool and probably oversexed and handsome teacher who, you know, uh, bristling at the thought of having to teach uh, journalism to young munchkins like uh, like Abbott and her, her, I'm sure, very snotty friends, decided to the clue them in about the Illuminati. Yeah, I do. I did have questions about that where I was like, whoa, first of all, based teacher... What teacher is saying this? Even in Berkeley, I'm like, what? And like, also, how could you just let all of that go? I don't know. I just, I just love the idea. It's just like, um, you know, when you're like, you're sitting there in class, and then the teacher wheels in that big TV that's like, you know, on uh, that kind of a uh, movable shelf, and it has a strap to hold it on top of it so it doesn't fall off, and then they just press play on loose change. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, loose change, loose change is cited in this article, but I will say it's like thinking of the stuff I did learn about in high school. Which, to be fair, I did go to a high school where, like, I'm pretty sure there was like a decent amount of illiteracy. Like, I went to a high school where it was not. You had to get kicked out of the regular high school and then the other high school that you go to after you get kicked out to go there. Um, but they like they taught us about bullshit like math. I would love to learn about like if Samuel Adams had a fucking giant uh, Masonic you know eye tattooed on his neck like Chet Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> so she starts the article or essay, whatever we want to call it, with. My induction into conspiracy thinking came in the fall of my first year of high school when my seventh period journalism teacher, journalism, like we mentioned, features heavily in this essay, uh, devoted a lecture to the Illuminati, a nefarious group of global elites controlled our politics and our economy, he told us. They met in secret and communicated via symbols. Their members included U.S. presidents, CEOs, celebrities. They were everywhere. This was Berkeley, California, in the anxious time between September 11th and the start of the Iraq War. Funny enough, yeah, journalism in the Iraq War, it's like this kind of, like, even though we already brought these up, they feature heavily in kind of like all of these articles in the background, which is very funny. It's almost like, um, it's like a, a, I don't know, something that, that has to be there lurking because otherwise they would have to kind of say it out loud or something. It also, it also puts a nice little cherry on top of this because you just imagine her recounting this because she treats this like a confession of drug addiction or something. Yes. She was introduced to this thing by this older guy who was cool and she didn't know any better (laughs) and it ended up ruining her life. But now she's okay. She'd never do that ever again. And you should never do it either. I mean, it's like Alice. It's like, go ask Alice. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a very, it's, but so she's basically saying, I was deeply traumatized by even the idea of a conspiracy theory. Theory. Meanwhile, at the exact same time, in out in the open, every fucking journalist, the profession that she's supposed to learn to do, is pumping out 
just toxic gas into our brains about uh, Saddam and uh, 9-11 and about weapons of mass destruction and all this horse shit. And that is not a traumatic experience. That no, is not you know, w- yeah. hurt her in any yeah. way. It certainly yeah, exactly. didn't you know, destroy a country uh, and ruin any chance of like creating anything decent in this country. For, for yeah. another fucking generation, and it's very telling, like the like you said, like the <clears throat> the timeline to this recollection that she's happening, because it's like like you said, Liz, it's all happening in the background of like nine eleven has just happened. America just learned like what Afghanistan was and the Taliban, and then all of a sudden we're just being told that like oh Saddam is involved in this too, and everyone and like again every journalist going along with this and Jeffrey Goldberg included, like her now current boss at the Atlantic. That's what's were, insane. Were, we're, we're pitching stories that were at the time, like it wasn't just like, oh, like it was so credible, like we all had to believe it. They were pitching like at the time and people like knew this, you know, concurrently with what was going on. We're pitching stories that were a- a- every bit as ludicrous as like clockwork elves or like flat earth shit. Like yeah. every single every single turd that Jeffrey Goldberg and people like him squeezed out of their fucking mouth ass onto the pages of the New York Times or the New Yorker was just like on its face a, a farcical in the same way that like the idea that like oh like oh uh, uh, I mean the, shit I, 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 talking about the Illuminati seems way more credible to me than the idea that Saddam Hussein was in cahoots with Al Qaeda also well, what's she- the, which has the higher body count well, she For even God's winks sake. at it because she continues and she says, radio DJs and my friend's parents would talk vaguely but knowingly about Dick Cheney's financial interests or the real reasons we were going to war. And it's like, those aren't consp- Like, Halliburton is not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what I, the hell? Liz, I, 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 I clipped that too. And she says... Uh, yeah, she goes, um, yeah, they, they would talk knowingly about uh, Dick Cheney. Oh, and then she says, long before filter bubbles had a name and a pathology, I lived in one. The government was lying. The elites were consolidating power. The game was rigged. The paranoia was warranted. I knew things were bad, and I knew they were bad in a way that was murky and still emerging. The idea that everything confusing or unfair or suspicious could be the result of an actual conspiracy and not anything more abstract or complicated felt appealing to me and roughly as plausible as any number of extraordinary things I know to be true. And I think what's interesting about this is like she's saying, like, oh, I was so dumb and naive as a high schooler. Um, because I believed, you know, something as simple as just like, oh, elites are conspiring to pull off an act of mass murder and theft right in front of all of everyone's eyes. It's like you have to pass through so many more levels of education and professionalization before you can start telling yourself that like, oh, you know what? It's actually like anything that seems like on its face too simple and horrible to be true is usually the result of something that's just, you know what? It's just, it's just vague. It's vague and complicated, yeah. and like, and then like, and, that, and like, smart and smart people, like that's how they, when confronted with the horrors of something like the Iraq War or the entire war on terrorism, embrace from, the mystery. From, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. No, you're, you, you as a ninth grader were fucking smarter than what you've turned into now. Because yes. to get a job to get a job working at the Atlantic Monthly, you have to fucking have imbibed so many more of these ridiculous conspiracy theories and lies that just tell you that, oh, everything's actually just really complicated and vague. And like, you know, the people in charge, you know, they're 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 dumb too. And you know, they could never they could never do anything this complicated without, you know, like, oh, they, we, we would find out about it or something like well, that. That that's the thing, is like I, I I remember having this conversations with people and I like and I even convinced myself in my twenties, I was like, does it even matter if 9-11 was a conspiracy or not like you know it's it's 
it it it's it everything happened for you know it was all good for them anyways so it doesn't even matter if it's a conspiracy like what happened happened uh i mean obviously it's bad and it's like that was me trying to outthink myself like it, it it's all this stuff is like your hunch for all of these people who when they were like 13 and like being like no blood for oil it's like your hunch was correct like yeah that is what was going on um, and it's like, it becomes, there's this really smarmy way that like a lot of, I mean, I really only see it from journalists cause I don't interact with anyone like this in real life or in any sort of social setting where it's like there, nothing can be simple because that's like, that's for the rubes, right? Like it's always, you know, everything operates in this moral or, or, or actual gray area. Um, and nothing can ever be, you know, solved or certain or anything because that's just not how the world works. But it's like. I guess you do know how the world works because you got a job at Atlantic Monthly and you work for like the people who help make the world bad. But it's like, I, I, I think it's just a way that people, for people to sort of like lie to themselves and pretend yeah. that they're not on the wrong side. And Brace, I think that that's very important. It's like, how do you, how do you work for the people who were literally involved in this conspiracy? Exactly. And then, like, and no, then wake she up is every now day. A con- Five yeah, you, she is a, like, she is you're a, now in the conspiracy, baby. She's a member of you're you're part of the syndicate now, lady. I'm yeah. sorry. And like the thing is like that that that's exactly right. It's like and I'm sure if you, you know, like, you know, um put their back up against the wall, this woman or even Jeffrey Goldberg himself would admit what is basically completely uncontroversial now, which is that the war in Iraq was a da- disaster and all of the pre-war intelligence that we were told to be 100% true was false. I mean, but where they stop is that they will say, oh, well, it wasn't intentional. And like the, the idea is that right. like, you always have to protect yourself from like, oh, yeah, everything we were told about a war that killed probably a million people and like, you know, basically ruined, even if you believe in and like this country, like ruined any chance of America yeah. being like the, a, a global leader in this new century. Um that, 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 that just happened by accident or that the intentions were good or that like the, the, that these horrible atrocities can happen and the United States can even be responsible for them, but they can never do it intentionally at the point of it happening. It's always just this vague, like it's always, oh, it's, it's this like this stew of like, oh, good intentions going awry and bad planning and just like the, oh, the world being complicated in and of itself. It's never that like a guy like named Jeffrey Goldberg, who you see and probably email with every other day and people that he knows and is friendly with and works with can, you know, contrived to do this and did it knowingly, like, like as a crime, like an act, like an, an act of, of murder and theft. In the book, in the, in the article, she describes her disenchantment with conspiracy as over time, it just, it was less and less convincing. And there is something to that because especially when you get really Baroque in your explanations beyond, you know, just trying to piece together something like an assassination or, you know, the reality of the Epstein case, when you get into stuff like who's really in charge, if you start getting too specific, you always lose the plot a little bit. Yeah. That's why all that Illuminati stuff, it's very useful, you know, as symbolically and it's got literary value, but literally it's not really a very helpful way of thinking about things if you get to the point where you feel like you have to prove it. So, like, eventually you're going to lose faith in that uh but what it boils down to is that she lost faith in certain things because they weren't reinforced by her her social surroundings Mm. but what did get reinforced was a bunch of other bullshit yes was a bunch of other absolute (laughs) horseshit but because it like led her towards 
it remunerated her. It benefited her to think that way. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, things that are just as wrong are, are more fundamentally wrong than anything about the Illuminati because they they arise from incorrect and, in fact, uh, false premises meant to literally exploit us. Uh, but it's totally unnoticed and, in fact, welcomed because believing it gets her farther along. And look at her now. She's on the goddamn masthead of the Atlantic. I like the idea that, like, the Atlantic or other, like, you know, whatever, New York media spots operate like Scientology, where in order to, like, get published into the pages, you have to first agree to humiliate yourself by publishing a, no, the Atlantic didn't do anything wrong piece. (laughs) It's like, it's like editorial blackmail. And yeah, like, I mean... We can get into it later, but like, you know, not just Jeffrey Goldberg, but the Atlantic routinely, you know, a, a, a contributor on the masthead is David Frum, a yeah. guy who was George Bush's, George W. Bush's speechwriter, um, like, you know, who, who penned most of the lines that brought us into a war, was an intimately involved at the highest levels with this conspiracy and currently do, you know, uh, front page articles for the Atlantic about how like, oh, we like, you know, immigration is, uh, you know, there's too much immigration and we need to clamp down on it and shit like that. And it's just like, uh, oh, like, like you know, I, I don't know. But there's, 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 there's this one other quote here that I pulled out of, uh, out of this piece that I thought was very telling. And uh, she goes on to say, I was recently relieved. To, she, like, she talked about like she calls her parents and was like, do you remember when I was a conspiracy theorist? And the funny thing is like her parents were like, not really. I mean, it was just something you were into. Like, yeah, you were into Blink-182. Like, we didn't give it much thought. Like, yeah. really, <laughs> like you're, you're investing way more in this than like anyone around you ever did. But she says here, um, I was recently relieved to learn that this is all pretty typical, at least from a developmental perspective. Kids can be very literal. <laughs> Valerina Rania, an adolescent psychologist at Cornell, told me, anyone who has tried to have a conversation with a four-year-old knows this to be true of younger children, but the phenomenon extends further into adulthood than many people realize. By our teens, Rania told me, we can parrot facts, sometimes even complex ones, sometimes even very articulately, but we don't yet have the insight or the life experience to understand bottom-line meaning. And what I liked about that is like, I your average four year old displays more capacity to think in like abstract or metaphorical terms than anyone who's ever written for the Atlantic or the New York Times does. (laughs) I mean, you could you could uh, it's yeah it's all fucking there it's it's all just pigs oinking like it's it's. So here, it's something that really stood out to me is that she says, sometimes even demonstrably false conspiracy theories contain a little bit of truth. Other times, what seems like an absurd fabrication turns out to be real. Uh, she She quotes someone saying, there are real, even seemingly outlandish, shady, prototypically crazy sounding conspiracy theories, Brotherton said. These are there. These are real. There are real historical precedents for that. In the same high school where I learned about the Illuminati, I also learned about Watergate, MK Ultra, Iran Contra, the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. I wrote my senior thesis about COINTELPRO, a wide-ranging government surveillance effort <laughs> that would sound like pure paranoia had the FBI itself not admitted it to it after the fact. About seventy-five miles north of my parents' house sits Bohemian Grove, where the global elite gather in secret every July. And where friends of uh, where friends of friends reported finding summer work as NDA bound cater waiters. So many contemporary political phenomena: dark money, gerrymandering, government ignorance, government government ignorance you know, stands out to me. <laughs> government malevolence that once seemed like shadowy plots are now just established fact. What I don't understand about this is like there's so much more. Like it's it's like 
Her whole thesis of her, her article is that like conspiratorial thinking, which I mean, whatever that means, is 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 sort of like the lazier, like bullshit, you know, child's way of viewing the world. And then she just names a bunch of like yes. insane, <laughs> awful shit that the government did. And the yes. fucked up thing is too, it's like even with the Freemasons. Uh, you know, if you want to get into that, like our government literally like used the Masonic Lodge to like overthrow the government. Well, not overthrow, but to very, very, very uh, aggressively. George Washington had a goddamn one of them weirdo aprons. Yes. They put yes. the triangle. On, they put the pyramid on the money. It's on the money. Yeah. But it's also it's like, <laughs> dude, we used the Masonic Lodge to like destroy the workers movement in Italy. P2. Yeah. Yeah, I like, know, uh, but like, uh, Brace, you're, you're exactly right. Like, so like, fucking like, crack. Like, you're, no, and like, and you know what? Like, and and like, you know, I'm sure she could put that in the pages of the Atlantic now because it's like enough time has passed that it's basically right. safe and uncontroversial. And here's the thing: like, she's be, be, through this process of like, you know, educational professionalization and like ideological discipline, like. You learn to be smart enough to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. cr- you know, you credit, um, uh, like, like anticipate criticisms in, in in the piece that you're advancing, right? And like you fill out these little spaces where you're like, well, I've anticipated that, and you're checking off these boxes. But the boxes she's checking off of, it's just like you just admitted to the fact that like CoinTelPro, MK Ultra, all this shit go go down the list, and then like okay, Bohemian Grove, and then like you just stop there. Like you you're, you could admit every one of those things is true because it's like you know. That it's uncontroversial. It's a matter of public record. But then you just stop there. Like, yeah, what, okay, like well, what, are the, what are the implications of this century? First of all, yeah. Like, and it's also like, and like, if you accept all those things as true, like, you just stop there, and then you don't go any further into like, well, what are the implications of that? Like that that you know that these things are real and have happened and are still going on. But this is like such a this is like an annoying device that. Uh, conspiracy scolders, if I may, like use all the time, and it's it's so frustrating because they'll say, "Well, okay, yeah, sure, MK Ultra is real. Okay, yeah, sure, COINTELPRO is real, Iran Contra, etc." But okay, those ones are real, but these ones aren't. And it's like, first of all, you you don't know what you're talking about, but also what that does is then like. It it diminishes the impact of how insane COINTELPRO, MK Ultra, and Iran Contra were. It's like just because now we're admitting that all of these things were true doesn't make them any less totally insane. And it has this like um, effect of essentially like neutering the impact and actual history, like of these you know programs or you know in the case of Contra, like you know actual conspiracies. It and also, she's not she's not informing any of the readers of this piece what any of those things actually right. were. They're yeah, just sort of these that words. Way. These like they're just sort of these words that people are like oh that, that stand in for something crazy and weird that like happened a long time ago mm. and could like, have no people, like, impact. Could exactly. have no further impact. Could not shape anything going forward. Which is like I'm sorry, I thought that's how history worked. You know, yeah. it's right. like it's a thing like happens pe- and it leads to things happening. Yeah, so you have like- this list of shit. None of it leads anywhere. Yeah, it's not like any of the Contra guys are in the fucking Trump admin at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Abrams like is Billy back Barr. in the fucking State Department. Billy Barr just fucking, I mean, Billy, Jesus Christ. William Barr, when he fucking put a price in Maduro's head for fucking drug trafficking, <laughs> when it's like, <laughs> you fucking mother, you motherfucker. Like, that was the most insane shit to me. Like, there was a guy who basically got Bush to pardon guys who like brought 
insane, incredible amounts of drugs into America is now putting a price on the head of a foreign leader who uh, is not doing that for doing that. It's like, it's, it's like, I think it's what, that's what, what I mean about so like, cr- there's no, sorry. I like, that's what I mean about how there's no follow up. Like you can just blithely admit that all of these things are real and did happen, but go no further. Cause all of the people who did these things are still around and half of them are in government. So it's right. like, you think the o- obvious follow up question, you should like, what should be, what should have, what should happen to the yes. people who did these things? And like, or, or just a simple moral judgment of like, these people are evil. Like these are, these are evil, violent, psychopathic people who are, who rule us and are like largely unaccountable from law. But guess what? Jeffrey Goldberg's friends with all of them. Yeah. Well, that's what stood out to me about this whole issue is that like, it's, it's, it purports to be about security or not security, excuse me, um, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. But it's like, I mean, I'm sure this was intentional in some ways. That like it's the most superficial analysis ever because I mean mm. what is this story but like a woman just be, like basically talking to a few experts who prove that children are susceptible to hearing things from people and believing them like it doesn't explain <laughs> that like yes like there have been real conspiracies so it makes sense that people have like a conspiratorial mindset because like I mean if you it's just a case of COINTELPRO is like the entire face of an American political movement was like annihilated. By the Federal Bureau of Investigation using like blackmail, murder, uh, you know, every other fucking tactic in the book. And it's like that has a lasting effect on things like Matt was saying. Like that's not like it's not like they did that and and nothing else happened after that. That didn't have any effect. These people are anti-dialecticians. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everything happens as discrete, unconnected incidents. They don't even hit each other at all. They're totally I mean, un- yeah. un- different. It's like because because they scold the conspiracy theory. Oh, you're seeing too many patterns. It's like yeah, you can see too many patterns. That can cause problems. That's what happens to a lot of conspiracy people who go around the bend. But there's also the thing of just pretending that there's no patterns at all. In which case, you have nothing to say about anything because you just don't understand how the world works at a basic level because you can't recognize what is happening and what it, how it relates to each other. I mean, yeah, but, it's, it's, it's the inability to reckon with the fact that, like, it, once you admit that these things are real, then you have to face the fact that you're living in a society and culture that is fundamentally deformed by the, you know, the, the, the criminal acts of, I'm sorry, a secretive elite. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. It's like, I'm sure if this, if this woman, because she talks about how, whatever, she showed loose change to her friends, like, you know, I mean, I have, I, you Which know, I know so there's a lot basic. of basic. I mean, come on. But, like... From a truth or perspective, a lot of problems with loose change. But like, it's like it's funny that you can engage in these real con- like if if you you know if you're a guy like David Frum, who or excuse me, I think it was Jeffrey Goldberg who wrote this. He, Jeffrey Goldberg wrote a an article that says yes, yes, I know I started the Iraq War in the pages that's of the Goldberg. Atlantic. That's, yeah, yeah, that's oh, Jeffrey Goldberg. Yeah, classic joint. Uh, and you know you are free to work in this industry, Jonathan Chait, Any of these people, you are free to continue being a journalist and get paid lots of money and and marry increasingly younger women, etc. But if you like, for instance, not even just for instance, if you are like a journalist who is like, man, there's some weird stuff with nine eleven. You will never work in journalism again. Yeah, like if you say I, that. I, publicly. By the way. Uh, the Jeffrey Goldberg, uh, the piece in the Atlantic, it's just one paragraph. It was published in June 20, uh, 2010, and it's just one paragraph from Jeffrey Goldberg. That The headline is, yes, yes, I know I started the Iraq war. And he goes, I'm getting a bit of two, the two minutes of hate from the usual suspects <laughs> about, my, 
about my posting on Dave Weigel. The same old stuff. I started the Iraq War. I'm an Apex stooge. I'm a bloodthirsty Likudnik. I'm a sociopathic fabulous. Correct. I drive a minivan, etc. All of those things are true about him, by the way. Yeah. But he goes, uh, but some bloggers don't seem to get me. I understand, of course, that Israel represents the greatest threat to world peace today, that the defeat of Saddam Hussein was a victory for the Bushist fascism, and I realized mm-hmm. that Saddam had no relationship at all with Al-Qaeda, despite the volumes of evidence that suggests the contrary. So the I ones can't you understand- made up! Yes. So I can't understand the vehemence and the ad hominem attacks. Oh, I'm also looking forward to seeing Oliver Stone's Hugo Chavez Hey Geography, where it's just like the the glibness with which he yeah. can just like uh, hand wave away all these things by being like, by, by copping to it in like a joking way. But like he is just copping to it. This is like a serial killer returning to like the, the graves or like houses of his victims and shit. Yes, I think, totally. <laughs> I think the thing is though, like something that could like, I think probably does have like an immense psychological effect on people is that like, okay, you know, you can list off these things that happen. Like you can, or you can be like, yes, I, I did. I helped start the Iraq war or like, yes, the government, the FBI did COINTELPRO, you know, the CIA experimented on people, uh, you know, at the hate street free clinic. Uh, but you never ever see anyone get into trouble. And so like, (laughs) like for the average (laughs) person, it's like, well, nothing really could have happened because like, I mean, if the FBI killed Fred Hampton, wouldn't someone go to jail for murder? Like, yeah, and that, that like that accumulated impact of that doesn't sink in. It's like if these guys got away because you're listing all these things that happened, and what happened to the guys who did them? Oh, they all got off completely scot free, and in fact, stayed in government. Why would they stop doing it then? Yes. What would ever be the thing that would stop them from doing it? There's nothing, and that doesn't even occur to them. Well, the just, thing is, I, people think that the Cold War ended and that, like, this stuff ended. This stuff never happens anymore. It's like, dude, no, you just don't know about it. Like, no one's breaking into an office and stealing the fucking Pentagon papers or whatever. Like, yeah. It's. I, have a, I just got one more quote here from. I don't want to, like, skip too much ahead if you have other oh, stuff. Oh, no, this is like, the best it, one. I think I know which one's going to be. Like, the, this comes from the end of yes. the piece. And she mm. talks about. Because she's uh, trying to, like, actually. Because she's done a piss poor job so far of, like, making this scary and bad. Mm-hmm. It's like she. It's Which, not like I, it let her down a, a a way. She left her family. She was homeless. She, you know, like <laughs> alienated everyone. It's like no. I I was. I had some awkward conversations as a freshman in college. That was the yeah. whole story. So she's got to make this, it scary. And so it's like they robbed. This is robbed by time. No, no. This is this isn't the quote about um having her time robbed where she could have been studying journalism. We can talk about that. But she references here uh, Richard Hofstetter, oh, and God. she says. Sign of a boring loser. I think every article in this issue, by the way, references the paranoid style. (laughs) Which is great because it's a good tip that this is boring boilerplate and you're not going to learn anything interesting. So she... She writes here, um, the paranoid spokesman sees the fate of conspiracy in apocalyptic terms. The historian Richard Hostetter wrote in his seminal 1964 essay, The Paranoid Style in American Politics, he is always manning the barricades of civilization. What Hostetter declined to put a finger on is the intoxicating feeling of having insider knowledge about the fate of the world, or at least believing that you do. I thought that the reference to Hofstetter was so funny um, in the context of uh, this piece and the entire Atlantic issue. And we talked about this before we were recording is like nowhere in this issue at least of what i saw did they reference uh like russia gate 
Yes. At yes. all. <laughs> e- even to say that here's an example of a real conspiracy because you know, honestly, like we, we have a section at the end, like in our book, that's like a whole, like we close out a chapter talking about that famous quote from Hofstetter in the context of like Russiagate and the resistance. And basically, I think, Matt, this is your line. You were like, uh, that, that essay needs like a big fucking update because all the liberals who smugly like to fucking like uh, uh, cite that piece when talking about the right have become the textbook figure that Hostetter was talking about. Yes. About trafficking in the birth and death of entire worlds and civilizations and seeing, like, it, it just... And the, the, and the end Russia of the Gage Republic! The Republic yeah. is at stake, sir! It's like, and, and the, the Russiagate shit is like, I'm sorry, like, uh, again, I, we, we always thought it was, you know, contrived hokum on its face but like day by day week by week even this week i'm sorry like it gets further and further discredited and not only that is shown that like the propagation of it isn't of itself a conspiracy theory yes right That's the perfect transition into the next article that I think we want to talk about, which is the the, the piece on QAnon um, by Adrian LaFrance, who is an executive editor at The Atlantic. But this was so striking to me for exactly those same reasons, because the way they describe QAnon, I was like, I, I mean, look, I'm not, this isn't a defense of QAnon, but I'm saying like, you could find replace QAnon and, with Russiagate and it would make the, it would be exactly the same. It could tell you this, the same story. And in so many ways, these are like um, just two sides of the same coin that have been of the like disease that everyone has been, you know, you know, that everyone has had over the last like four or five years with yeah. the Trump fab men. Yeah, because because both like Democrats and Republicans of a certain age over the course of the Obama administration were essentially psychically fused yes. with politics. They both sat there watching it, the de- liberals rooting for Obama and being horrified by the Tea Partiers, the Republicans watching Fox News and being pissed off at Obama, and they got a level of psychic like deep psychic uh, engagement with it. That their in their ability to like deal with reality beca- became essentially impossible because of the break point for Republicans. It was Obama being president; mm-hmm. they couldn't handle it. It was too much of a break from their understanding of what could happen. And so, by the time Trump comes along, they're not even listening to the GOP. People forget this. Fox News was initially anti-Trump; they didn't like him. Yes. they tried to frame his as a bad choice. Hannity was anti-Trump. But then the audience said, "No, fuck you. We like him," and they fought, they buckled. They weren't propi- They weren't giving them Trump. Trump was foisted on them by people who had broken, and we're not going to take Romney anymore. We're not going to take rep- politics as usual. They they had been broken by f- eight years of Obama. The same way Democrats, when Trump becomes president, breaks their fucking world, and they have been broken ever since. And the, and so for the most extremely invested among them, the only thing that they could do to make sense of the world is to become an active participant in like making sense of it, like b- joining the choose your own adventure uh, of their choice. They could either do the Russiagate one or they could do QAnon, but they're exact mirror images of each other. Mm-hmm. The same yeah. groups of people with the same relationship to media 
uh, it's MSNBC or Fox News or Facebook or whatever. It's that same enthralled, totally libidinal fusion of their fantasy realm uh, and politics. Yeah. And Matt, like, not only that, but like, like again, like, if you want to use Hofstetter as the example, or like, you know, what was repeated in the previous essay about like why it's so like so sort of pleasurable to believe in conspiracy theories and like the sort of she 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 lists like the sort of the different like needs that it fulfills and like you know essentially you get to this idea that like which is you know n- not an untrue one is that like when confronted with a reality that is sort of unspeakable it's more comforting to believe that somebody is in control rather than nobody yeah. and you know like but like it's just the the lack of self-awareness on the behalf of like i said there were smug liberals writing and reading this and like the, their inability to, to identify this behavior in this massive, massive waste of time and fucking uh, like psychic energy over the last four years, investing everything in this fucking like in this Russia shit or just chasing every fucking lead. And of course, like every conspiracy theory, it never amounts to anything and there's never any payoff. And yeah. it, but yet you, what, what it leads to is that you just double down on it even more. Mm-hmm. And it's just always there as this perfect explanation for why the world you live in doesn't conform to the one that you think you know ex- should exist in your head, or why the rules that you seem to that you, you believed in don't seem to work, or no one's following anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, I pulled this up because I feel like Taibbi has been writing the best about just the like insane obsession with Russia Gate from the liberals, and. Um, He wrote something where it's like, you could say this about Q. It's the same thing. He says, all you had to do was keep turning in because the good news could come any minute now. The bombshell is coming. Don't wonder about our motives, even though outlets like MSNBC saw a 62% bump in viewership in the first year of Russiagate coverage. Just keep tuning in. The walls are closing in. Over and over, audiences were told the investigation had hit a turning point, and after which Trump would either resign or be impeached. It's coming, it's coming. I mean, that is literally the thrust of this QAnon piece, is that these people, despite all evidence to the contrary, continue to believe that the Great Awakening is coming. Trust the plan. Q, you know, believe in Q, whatever all the slogans are. And it's like... I, I, I mean, I, the, the lack of self-awareness by these people at The Atlantic is so startling to me. I, I, it really is breathtaking. Because and what's also very what's what's also very interesting, at least to like to like contrast QAnon with RussiaGate and the whole resistance, is that like what's what's so useful about both of these conspiracy theories is that like they both hold out in them that there are parts of the intelligence apparatus and deep state and mm-hmm. law enforcement mm-hmm. that are good yes. that are fighting the bad side of it. And it yeah. just it just it just flipped depending on which one you believe in, but none of them take for granted that like oh like they're the all the, it's all bad. Right. Like, all of these yeah. people are against you. Like and I got to say they don't, they don't regard gonna... you as a they regard you as as meat essentially. And if you're and if like they're wrong to the extent that they think that there are people on their side in power the Q people, at least their circle of who good guys is, is relatively small. <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it's Trump and, and his white hats in the intelligence community. They understand that the Republican Party is also awful and basically the entire media. Whereas these conspiracy theorists uh, among Democrats, they think that the Democratic Party is in its whole good. Uh, Democratic office holders are good, and uh, figures in mainstream media and and journalism are good. That's wildly farther from reality than Q people. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, Adam Schiff has been, like, the Democratic guy. Little Adam Schiff. 
little little Adam Schiff, right? Shifty, Shifty Schiff. Schiff. Shifty remember Schiff. when he called him Adam Shit? Adam <laughs> Shit. That was so fucking like Alpha. Dude, that's how is, that's you know, how you do it. Alpha. He has been held. He has been held out as like the the you know the Democrats like Javert in yeah. his like maniacal pursuit of the truth and just mm. doggedly <laughs> going after Trump. And it just it shows you like the cynicism of, of, of like the people actually like the actual actors in this because he's been saying forever that like you know Trump is like the worst threat to democracy. It's like just basically like like a rehearsal for just full outright fascism mm-hmm. and like just authoritarian like death camps and fucking the end of democracy. I'm sorry, that that fucking piece of shit just voted to extend the Patriot Act and grant new warrantless spying powers to William Barr and Donald Trump. So yes. how much could he fucking believe in this, actually? That, that's the same with, I mean, that's just, even fucking Bernie missed the vote on that. You know, it's like, yeah, all it, these lost, people, it lost it's by like, one vote, and it lost by, by one vote. It's like, yeah. Yeah. For, that was you, a bungle. That's what I always, like, th- 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 you know, that's and this bad. was this was brought up, you know, at least consistently during the primary. It's like, you can't really think that Trump is this unprecedented, you know, like, would you give Hitler this just basically limitless military budget? Or will you at least try to make a symbolic stand against it? But, like, th- they won't because they don't actually believe it. Because it's just because- like, I mean, my theory with the Q stuff is it's like a Roger Stone psyop. To make uh, yeah. pedof- to discredit pedophilia uh, conspiracies involving Donald Trump uh, by positioning him as the only person who's not a pedophile instead of just a guy, another guy who yes, technically is allegedly a pedophile. Um, <laughs> but like, it's it's. I, mean, I got some backup on that. Think of all the guys involved with it: Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, all these guys. Boys with Roger Stone, boys with Alan Dershowitz. It makes sense. Uh, it makes sense if you look at it, but. Uh, it's like I can't remember where I was going with that. Adam Schiff's is giant cheeks, a lot of fillers. <laughs> where was I? I? I'm off track now. No, but like it, it's the same thing because like the people I really think like the, at the heights of like the people who proliferate the QAnon conspiracy, yeah. uh, cynically utilize it. Like they don't believe in it in the same way that the fucking oh, the, yeah. the marks that they sell it pitch it to are. But it's exactly the same with RussiaGate. Like we know for sure that these people like on the House Intelligence Committee were being told behind closed doors the exact opposite of everything that they were saying publicly and in these hearings, like conveying you know about the end, the fate of our republic and shit. Yeah, this is a quote from her piece. This way of thinking consistently emerged in regions where rapid social and economic change were taking place, and at periods of time when displays of spectacular wealth were highly visible but unavailable to most people. This was true in Europe during the Crusades in the 11th century and during the Black Death in the 14th century and in the Rhine Valley in the 16th century and in William Miller's New York in the 19th century. It is true in America in the 21st century. And it's like... Yeah, bitch, you're doing it. She fucking, <laughs> she's yeah. publishing David Frum. She's like tweeting, we still don't know what hold Vladimir Putin has on President <laughs> Trump, but the whole world has now witnessed the power of its grip. It's like, <laughs> my God, no, no, lady. That's the TV is talking yeah. to you. Do you see the, look at their eye contact. Look at Putin's eye contact. The way yeah. that he looks at Trump, they're they're communicating. He traced David Trump is hand. just pissed that Donald Trump yeah. can't see into Putin's soul through his eyes like his buddy Bush could. Yeah, you know, no lie though. That Putin pussy do be gripping though. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I it's you haven't lived until you've taken him aside at like a G twenty conference and clap cheeks with Putin. Oh <laughs> I mean, it's it's like nothing else in the entire world. Uh, oh. I mean, no, it's, it's just it's. it's, it's it's maddening to me. It's so maddening. I mean, fucking, you brought up Jonathan Chait, or someone did, which, like, hey, anytime we can talk about him, sounds good to me. 
This motherfucker had a cover story with an actual conspiracy board printed in New York Magazine of all of the people involved in the Donald Trump is an actual Russian KGB asset theory. Because don't forget, that was the theory. I mean, look, and you know what? I'm going to call it out right now. There were a lot of people on the left that were fucking liking that steel dossier bullshit too, you know? And unironically, like, this shit was powerful for a really long time. I do remember a few, yeah, some people who tried to, like, outsmart themselves by going, like, well, I mean, this Russiagate thing isn't going anywhere, so we need to use it for the left. Like, that was ever going to work. Yeah, there was a cover (laughs) piece of it on the nation. Yeah, the left case for Russiagate. That was on the cover of the nation. Russiagate is liberal, like, uh, a mental breakdown. Why would you want to encourage that? Because they're liberal But the idea is like, it, can it be useful to the left? Like, not only is it like a liberal mental breakdown, like its actual utility is in like ideologically disciplining the left. Exactly. And, 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 and covering up the manifest failures of everyone who's been scolding the left for the last fucking 15 years. Well, not only that, but it also, I mean, it had the disciplinary effect of this is the only ex- explanation we have for the rise of Donald Trump. It was yeah. the Russians hacked the election. That's why Hillary lost. Not because of the last eight years of the Obama presidency and the years of the Bush administration and the years of the Clinton administration and what those years have done to the, you know, to life in America and the abject failure of the Democratic Party to do anything about it. And in fact, rather do anything about it, actually actively aid its destruction, right? Yes. There can be no other explanation. So, no, you know, the left not being able to push back on Russiagate in that way and try to co opt it for its own in the case of that nation article, career aspirations was, uh, was fucking, you know, in my, it's traitorous. There was, it's, they're doing that in order to explain away the actual real reasons why Donald Trump is in power, which is that I voted for it. No, (laughs) but so it's just, it's so fucking mind boggling. And you know what? It's like everything else Everyone, you know, everyone wants Russiagate to go away. They all want to pretend like this never happened. Like Rachel Maddow was not screeching every fucking night on television for four years, parroting this bullshit. Like, you know, there weren't like vigil candles for fucking St. Mueller, whatever his name is. Don't care how to pronounce it. I mean, and it's like, honestly, you can't like- let him forget. And like I, I think back and like uh, just doing our show, like the, one of the episodes that got the some of the most people mad at us is when we had Taibbi on to talk about Russiagate and shit all over it. Like so many people got actually pissed off at us for that. They couldn't that's let go insane. because they, the thing you know, is, is that that's that was such a big part of like because it's very important in their mind that Trump is bad and they and they have to like there's a, there's a, a need there's always an, a neurotic need to assert. The badness of Trump and so much of his badness in the larger media was bound up in that Russia stuff that I think a lot of them, they got freaked out. It's like, wait a minute, if, if this isn't true, then that means Trump's not bad. And, oh, my God. No, Trump's bad. Like, he can't be bad for anything other than this. Like this, like this has any bearing on anything else. Um, yeah. I, I, you guys want to know something fucking sick mm. that I really love? There's a podcast. I mean, and I'm, this is just speaking purely. Oh, as I know. Pod, I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, 
<laughs> called Muller She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's in its yep. third season that I believe has more listeners than us. <laughs> Although I'm not sure on that because I can't log into there. I tried to hack their chartable account I, I, where you can read the I, uh, chart I, listings. I think it is probably disturbingly popular. I, it's been on a downward spiral, but slower <laughs> than you would think. It's on a slow downward trajectory since the Mueller report came out. It's just it's 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 psycho. The one thing that like I I I've always thought that was the similarity between Q and uh and like the Mueller stuff, the RussiaGate stuff, whatever you want to call it, is they both are millenarian in their own their own way. Like, and, and, and like the more they're debunked, the more people double down on them. Exactly. It's like it's like they always and they always they're both going to end in this like cataclysmic thing where like Donald Trump is. One one of them literally ends with Donald Trump being arrested, and the other ends with Donald Trump arresting Hillary Clinton. Like one of the two people who ran for president in 2016 is going to be in prison by the end of these conspiracies. But like it, it never happens, and I think that has to have like you know like a, a, a you know at least all the conspiracies I know about, I know no one's ever going to go to prison for them unless I put them in prison. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a twenty percent possibility that. Which grows higher the more I modify my AR. But like it's, it's. I mean, that has to have this effect on these people of just like getting them further and further into their world. I mean, they talk about a bubble in the article we read about of this. There's bubbles of people out there who literally think that Donald Trump was recruited to the Soviet KGB in the 1980s to eventually become president in 2016. Yeah, which is absurd on the face of it. Including people who fucking write and publish and edit for the Atlantic. I like, you know, like conceivably could like, I like imagine a world in which Russia would prefer that like a, 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 a diaper wearing senile, uh, the dullard is president of the United States rather than someone else. Sure. But like Felix had the best line on that where it was just like, I fucking hope every other country in the world is intervening in our elections. We do it to yes. them all the time. And it's just like, hey, if you want other countries not to intervene in our elections, stop intervening in them all the fucking time. And of course, we all know a country there's the most compelling evidence uh, actually oh, did yeah. interfere in our election in 2016. Israel. Yeah. And yeah. No, oh, yeah. That, that wasn't even that wasn't even secret though. That was just out in the open. Well, that's that that's like, what I think drives people crazy too. Is that like, first of all, respect to the guy to the to, again the above the above article that lady's history teacher for coming up with like a at least a, a, a gentile uh, conspiracy theory. Um, but it's like with the with the Israel stuff is like it's it happens in front of people like I I like it just happens in front of your eyes. You can see it happening. It's it's like it like stuff like APAC is so absurd and just so outrageous. But it's like you almost can't believe you're you're seeing it because it's just know, like, like so over the top. Yeah, uh, Felix has talked about it before, but it's just like the fact that like uh, n- <laughs> nobody comments on the fact that like annually, like seemingly every elected representative has to go to is- Israel's prom and pledge and like just sort of swear yes. fealty to a foreign country. Isn't that weird? Like, it's isn't like that, isn't that a little strange? It's there's literally laws on the book. Like, you will not be able to get jobs. You will be fired, or you will go like get fines if you like boycott. A foreign country like it's incredible and it's like this this is like i mean you know it's 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 i don't i don't it's insane it is a conspiracy and it's like it's 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 like not even worth mentioning 
to these people. And like, if you do mention it, obviously you get in a lot of trouble, but it's like, it's not like it's because they're fucking Jews. It's because they're an American outpost. Like, yeah, it's, and you know, it's and, and this gets into, and this gets into Jeffrey Goldberg's whole role in all this. Mm, exactly. Like, you know, and I've been following him for years and like, you know, he considers himself an expert on the Middle East and he loves to talk about how like, like Middle Eastern and like Arab, like, or Muslim cultures are like, so um, like it, like endemically corrupted by conspiratorial thinking. Yes, and he's always just used that as a stand-in for anti-Zionism. And he like my favorite line in the piece that Goldberg wrote for this piece, which is, by the way is titled "The Conspiracy Theorists Are Winning." Ha ha! Fuck you, loser. That means you're <laughs> losing. By the way, um, no, but he he says here uh, the Middle East is a cauldron of conspiracy, <laughs> yes. a place where the a place where the most bizarre theories often have real policy consequences. And it's just like he's he's always just talking about like oh like it's just there's so backwards and irrational and they have all these conspiracy theories about how Jews control the world and shit where it's just like, well, I mean, like, I'm sorry, like Israel is a real fucking country that was like, you know, founded in the 20th century. And like Jeffrey Goldberg is like supremely invested in that country. And it's just like, yeah, like fucking prison guard in that country. And it's like, oh yeah, like I, I, oh, it's 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 the sort of cons- cauldron of conspiratorial thinking that leads these people to be like anti-Zionist or believe that Jews control the world. But like, I'm sorry if you're a Palestinian who's had like your family's like olive grove bulldozed or like you know yeah. kicked off of the land you've lived on for thousands of years, and like the in recent memory of people who are alive, like you might be more inclined to think that like yeah, Jews do actually do it like control something or control the world or whatever you want to say because like you've been on the receiving end of the fact that they've been backed up by the world's most powerful country that just allows them to like fucking just have carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want to you. Well, you watched you watched Europe and and European nations annihilate Jews in a fashion like never before. I mean, on the European continent at least. I mean, European countries had done this elsewhere, but annihilate the Jews like basically on on mass. I don't know how to pronounce that. En masse? They killed a lot of, uh, murdered, you know, millions of Jews. And then now you're like, it's, it's, it's like, they just pushed all that onto you. Like Europe killed all of these people. And now, now you got to deal with their, with, (laughs) with it. And it's like, it's so absurd to me. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, you want to talk about a conspiracy fucking there's people today in living memory that did the Holocaust. Like the entire fucking West German security apparatus and state, like depart their version of the State Department was literally controlled and filled with Nazis in the decades and decades and decades after World War II. Like Ellen Org, exactly. Like, Nuremberg trials, all these people got in trouble. Maybe like a few, a handful of them killed. Everybody else let out of prison in like ten years. There are people who are, who have like sold an ounce of weed who will be in prison in America for longer than people who killed like tens of thousands of Jews in Europe. It's like it's I, I, this doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, except that it's just about conspiracy shit. But it, like it, it it it's insane. It's like Europe. I, I think still holds the mantle of the most anti-Semitic place, having had, a couple generations ago, killed more Jews than anyone else in history. Um... But it's yeah, I, but it's just like, it, but like, but Goldberg, but Goldberg all loves talking about like conspiracism in the Middle East because, yes. like I said, for him, it's always a stand-in for anti-Zionism. Right. I mean, like anti-Zionism is an is of itself a conspiratorial, bigoted, like insane, irrational worldview. But also, it's, it's just, just like, like the balls on this guy 
talking about the Middle East as a place where the most bizarre theories often have real policy consequences. It's like, motherfucker, yes, your bizarre theories had very real policy yes, consequences. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You are the author of these bizarre theories that like, no oh, surprise, surprise, the people on the receiving end of them have some of their own about you, fat boy. Guess what? <laughs> Well, it's like my thing is like if a fucking, you know, if if a guy if a baker in in, you know, Damascus or in Cairo, you know, is told that the protocols of the elder of Zion is real or whatever. That sucks, but that doesn't really affect anything in the world. If Jeffrey Goldberg helps do the war in Iraq, that has much more serious consequences for a lot more people. Well, and I just really want to illustrate for people that are maybe unaware of this history, like how important Goldberg specifically, uh, you know, there's other journalists we could name, but Goldberg specifically was in the lead up and and basically like, you know, uh, you know, not to be a dork or whatever, manufacturing consent, whatever. For what the Iraq War, <laughs> but it's it, like it was. It yeah, plays, no, no. Gold, Goldberg was Goldberg was one of the most important ones because, like, here, here's critically like the, the what, what makes Goldberg so important, at least as far as the Iraq War goes, is that like yeah, like there was all those projects for New American Century scumbags and like the Weekly Standard and like the the neoconservatives who were at the time, unlike right now, haha entirely associated with like a vicious insane right wing and George W. Bush and like evangelical Christianity and American jingoism blah 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 like you know they wanted to do the Iraq war it was their project but you know like the weekly standard was an organ of like conservative thought and the right mm-hmm. yeah they those people were like well as soon as George Bush was like you know standing on the rubble in 9-11 like the fucking of course like you know the, the yahoos and the flag wavers were always going to be on board to get everyone else, and by that I mean the people who are important and whose opinions actually count in this country, mm. like rich, coastal, liberal people, you needed outlets like The Atlantic, The New York Times, and The New Yorker to give the stamp of approval. And it was guys like Jeffrey Goldberg who really did the most work of being of giving every liberal an excuse to be like, well, obviously George Bush and the people who support him are yahoos. But like, look, a lot of really smart, credible people are on board too. So like that gives us cover for, you know, not standing up for this or for going along with it. Yeah. This is William Sapphire writing in the New York times at the time. So the CIA blew off that report. Our national security council did not learn of subsequent warfare against the Kurds by the Qaeda affiliate doing Saddam's bidding until its members read it in the times after Jeffrey Goldberg of the New Yorker and CJ Chivers of the Times developed the story from inside northern Iraq, it dawned on some intelligence analysts that a, quote, clear link was probable. So this is the New York Times saying that the CIA read motherfucking Jeffrey Goldberg and was like, good point, Saddam and Al-Qaeda are linked. I just want to say that several, not just like a couple, but like, Five or six of my friends have been in probably the same exact prison that Jeffrey Goldberg visited in northern Iraq during his like long New Yorker article uh, as ISIS members. So like like some of my <laughs> who are not ISIS members were arrested for being in ISIS and thrown into prison in northern Iraq. So it's like uh, it's 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 I would not I don't know it's I, I it's you smell bullshit reading this article. Um, and, yeah, and I they mean- used it. Yeah, yeah, because when Goldberg's article, I think it was, it's called The Great Terror, I think. Um, yeah, that was from it. From The New Yorker. Yeah, so basically when that was published, 
the FBI and the CIA have basically just shut down the claim that that Ada and an Iraqi intelligence agent had met before the nine eleven. The, uh, the, the Prague, yeah, the Prague meeting. meeting. So basically, which is also said, a RussiaGate thing too. There's also a Prague meeting in RussiaGate. Yeah, but so basically, like the Bush admin was pushing all this stuff, and the Republicans were pushing all this stuff, saying, "Okay, this is this clear link. Ada and you know the Iraqis met in Prague, and and the FBI and CIA said, no, 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 that's not what happened." So Jeffrey Goldberg comes out and says, don't worry, I'll suck the teat. I'll do the work. He's doing the work, as people like to say, and fucking writes this up. And they use it as justification for Saddam and Al-Qaeda having a link that we, of course, know now was never there. And, and then, like, Jeffrey Goldberg has never accepted responsibility of, for that, except in that joking way and that Atlantic little, like, blog post that I read for you, where it's like it's all still just a joke to him. Because he knows that, like, you know, he is a still a serious person. He's insulated from the consequences of any of this. And, like, just going on in his piece in The Atlantic here, he says, I, I had spent years in the Middle East listening to complicated nonsense, and I was familiar with the long and dismal history of Russian conspiracy mongering. It was always a relief to know that in the United States, conspiracism was usually, not always, but usually a marginal phenomenon. I was wrong, of course. And I just love that line. It's like, I'd spent years in the Middle East listening to complicated nonsense. It's just a way of like, oh, oh, I've actually spent time in the Middle East. Like, I've listened to all this and I know what complicated nonsense it this all is. This lived experience. Like, I mean, once again, like, you were the author of all of this co complicated nonsense. Like, you were living in the Middle East volunteering to be a prison guard for fucking Israel. You fucking... Well, just, here's just the a, other thing. Oh. Is, is that is it, you know he talks about the the gas attacks in in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan which which did happen but Iraq also used gas on Iranian troops while we were supporting them during the Iran Iraq War it's like we knew and, they and had also the gas. and also shipped them the chemical precursors exactly. to break the gas itself yeah yeah it's 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 just it's it's astounding the gall of this but what I don't understand is they they talk about conspiracism but by conspiracism they seem to talk about people. He, he's referring to people who who uh, engage in theorizing about conspiracies rather than the actual like conspirators. I'm not even just talking about the shit he was involved with, but like we had a president who was shot on like a city street. Uh, on national television. On national television by like the mafia and the CIA. Like by a conspiracy. His brother was killed by a guy who watched, saw a woman in a red dress walk by. Like... It's, it's like, it's, I just don't understand why he, he seems to, I mean, I do understand actually completely, but he seems to relegate like the fact that like people, you know, conspiracies are something that like dumbasses in the Middle East believe rather than something yeah. that's like a foundational basically to the world we live in. And also, like, the idea that they've always been marginal in American society yeah. is also horseshit as well. It's just like now it's catching up with him because he says here, um, uh, like he says, uh, like uh, Donald Trump was sort of like uh, shepherded into power by a conspiracy theory, and by that he means birtherism. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, like, and it's just been like he's been he's emboldened these conspiracies ever since. And it's just like, I mean, like birtherism is like I don't know, I don't know how much of it is conspiracy theory or not, but like I may, in some vague way, you can attribute it to his political success but like again only if you ignore every other fucking reason for it and by that i mean yourself jeffrey goldberg looking in the fucking mirror every morning yeah, yeah. If that's a strand it's one of the thinnest possible ones in in explain in explaining why he's president but it's the only one that you can grab that can totally uh uh vindicate the fucking system that produced that outcome 
Yeah. yeah, I just was like screaming the entire time I read this. I couldn't believe it. This is my favorite line. Nonsense is nonsense, except when it kills. And conspiracy <laughs> thinking, especially when advanced by the president of the United States, is an existential threat. And it's I, it's just like, I want to pull my hair out. It's like, you fucking published David Thrum, the man who wrote the words that the president of the United States was fucking parroting that killed millions of people. Like I just he can't. was the one who wrote we don't we can't wait for the smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud when they were that was the line that they used to be like well all the inspectors are saying that we can't find anything but we can't <laughs> wait for them to find any not find anything more before we start this war that was David Frum he did that he was a member of this conspiracy that had real world consequences and you know this is the thing too that the lack of self awareness in this entire project that that is just so fucking maddening to me. Is like people, you know, when you want to talk about people that are susceptible to Q or susceptible to whatever these conspiracy theories that they're naming or whatever, it's like, you know, there are cascading effects like we talked about with literally no one ever getting in trouble or going to jail or being prosecuted or for people like Jeffrey Goldberg to still have a fucking megaphone or still be, or, you know, Judy Miller still like being, you know, quasi respected in the profession, whatever. It's like there are cascading effects, even if they're invisible to a lot of people, where it's like, where do you think fake news, people believing fake news comes from? Why the fuck should anyone believe a fucking journalist when this is what you fucking did and you won't take responsibility for it? In fact, it's like it's like he's like fucking teasing us with this shit. That's what it feels like. Well, it's like I know what no, I got this, away this, with, this, and now this, I'm this, publishing this, it in the fucking paper. This goes I back gave to my you all this the goes, clues. Yes, this goes back to my serial killer metaphor. It's like yeah, they're writing letters to the fucking cops. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They're, they're sending the vigil. They're, they're showing they're sending, back up like, at the bl- vigil. Little, <laughs> they're sending. They're showing up at the vigil. They're mailing little like bloody pieces of clothing that they cut off. They're fucking the bodies of the people that they fucking murdered. They had yeah, that little. They like, sent me the head and a head in a box of that little girl who said she saw people thrown into a wood chipper. <laughs> Banna Alabed's head. No, arrived. no, not her. <laughs> this was a pre, this was a prior iteration of that. It was, I think, like the ambassador. Oh, the from Kuwaiti, George, the Kuwaiti, the, Kuwaiti. Uh, 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 the incubators. The yeah. incubators. Yes, yes. I, the Kuwaiti incubators. In- that's incredible. a classic. Incredible. Yeah, where the yeah, Iraqi just, troops just killed a bunch of babies. You know, we we talk a lot of shit about journalists uh, on our podcast, and we will continue to do so. But this is, like, for one of the very fucking reasons, you know? It's like, you people don't want to take responsibility for anything, for anything. And you, it's, and you, I, I don't know. And you just keep thinking that we're supposed to respect you by virtue of the position that you hold because we went to school and we learned the right words and the right shibboleths and we write we learned the 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 right attitudes and manners and aesthetic preferences and and and, and easily held basically meaningless social uh social liberal positions it's it's like i I don't know i find like david from jeffrey goldberg any of these people like infinitely more abhorrent than some fucking wacko who works for Quillette or something like some moron that like well, you know 50 idiots fucking read or like, these guys are in, infinitely worse insanely more dangerous than granny clicking on you know biznews.net or whatever it's <laughs> a respectable reading. publication liz <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean it's just like you know i have to just read one quote from the late great alex coburn on on 
Goldberg. Oh, God, because yes. this is just he he published a great like takedown um a long time ago, but uh he wrote on February 10th, amid widespread cynicism about the administration's rationales for war, Remnick, uh, you know, talking about David Remnick, published another Goldberg special, The Unknown, the CIA and the Pentagon take another look at al-Qaeda in Iraq. This 6,000-word screed had no pretensions to be anything other than a servile rendition of Donald Rumsfeld's theory of intelligence. Quote, build a hypothesis and then see if the data supported the hypothesis rather than the reverse. In other words, decide what you want to hear, then torture the data until the data confesses. And that's what, that, I mean, that's has been his whole career and exactly the kind of, um, you know, what you would call conspiracy theorizing or whatever that he is attempting to rail against. And yeah, it's exactly I, the same. It's, you've already decided what the outcome is and now you're going to figure, I mean, that, that's contemporary journalism. Yes. This is the story and we're going to figure out the pieces that fit in to uh, the story that we want to tell. And that's the same fucking thing that these people call conspiracy thinking. What's the line between a journalist and a conspiracy theorist? I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, this was like in, in 2008, uh, Jeffrey Goldberg wrote this piece for The Atlantic in which he hooked his brain up to an MRI machine and then was shown images and then like they recorded what parts of his brain lit up about what... It, this, I'm not making this up. I'm not making... The, the title is called Rethinking Jeffrey Goldberg. Oh, God. And in, the, in the article, he, he, he reveals... And I'm, I'm, I'm cribbing here from uh, Yasha Levine and Mark Ames' uh, uh, Shame Project. But it says here that when he was shown photos of uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and Osama bin Laden, it lit up the area of his brain responsible for processing reward. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? <laughs> and he says he was very puzzled by by these MRI results. But I mean, it's just it, his 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 own brain can't lie. Everything else about Incredible. him does all the time. <laughs> Incre- yeah. First of all, I would never do that experiment because people would know how powerful my brain is, uh, and it, it, it I will it would I would cease being able to trick women basically. Um, but that's just incredible. Like in in. I, I feel like I would hope that would cause me to reflect for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it, but but, it's, you know, but like the thing is, like his brain is accurately perceiving reality. Yes, he yes. has been he has been hugely rewarded for you know, uh, like making up or exaggerating like the oh the the Iranian menace or just yeah, terrorism in because general. Because he hears about Aminadjad and he immediately thinks of some delicious steak that he got from yes. a Raytheon fucking uh, <laughs> lobbyist at Signatures, and his little belly just starts gurgling, and he's like, mm, "Oh, Jeffy's getting a treaty treat." For his next Scoopy Scoop, will there be ice cream Scoopies to go with his new Scoopies? Incredible. Or Pavlovian. I was gonna say one of like probably my favorite, like probably one of the hardest kiss offs of all time was when Norman Finkelstein, when asked about Jeffrey Goldberg, said he's just a chubby kid from Long Island. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, uh, Amazing. Like that is just like the Finkelstein perfect. undefeated. Undefeated. Yes. Actually, yes. unfortunately, unfortunately often defeated. defeated. Yes. But he shouldn't be defeated. So I want to wrap up. is untrammeled, goddammit. I want to wrap up with one of the most classic quotes from the uh from the Bush administration. I think it's uh, from Karl Rove here. Where he Karl says Rove. 
We're an empire now, and when we act, we create our own realities. And while you're studying that reality, he's talking to a journalist, judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities which you can study too, and that's how things will sort out. We are history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. And it's incredible to see that not only, like, we're, we're actually in a, in a magazine, you know, run by some of these actors, you know, some of Karl Rove's uh, allies in this. They did history, and now they're, now they're the ones also studying it, too. What I, I, I've always loved that Karl Rove quote. It was never actually attributed to Karl Rove, but it was I a know, deep place source. It the, it's, everyone yeah. knows it's Karl Rove, though. It was in Ron Suskin's book. Mm-hmm. And I remember when, when I first read that, like during the height of the Bush administration, being, so, being horrified by it, because obviously, you know, what they're saying is, is, is nightmarish, right? Like, oh my God, they're, they're, they, they're, they create their own reality and then like everyone else just has to go along with it. But here's the thing. I think like, rather than be terrified about that, like liberals are still haunted by it because what it shows is that what they, they understand what politics is and what power is, which yeah. is like, it's not about the facts. It's not about like who has, who has like, the data or like who is, who's the most true or right. Politics and what they about say how, about it. Yeah. What the, and like, what the what, media yeah, reply, what tells people about it. Is that like, power decides essentially what is true and what isn't true. Yeah. And that like more important than being right or like having all doing the homework or whatever is having a vision of the future and a story to tell about it that is big, compelling and like and powerful to like the average person. It tells them a story about the future and like the what you're going to do to change reality in a way that like, that would conform to a, a vision that you support and the people who vote for you who also like agree with that and support it. And it, like, it, it's a chilling quote coming from Karl Rove, but it's, it's like a, a pretty, actually like one of the most honest things these people have ever said. And Absolutely. it's like, it's not totally evil on its face. It's just a matter of what you believe and like what you're willing to fucking, how you're willing to use power on whose behalf and for what reasons. I think that ends it perfectly there. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that, that it, that of anything, way more than anything written in this stupid fucking Atlantic issue showcases why like donald trump is so effective and like why basically people who are effective are effective because you they can create their own realities and it's like people are left people like 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 us or like anybody else are left to basically study those realities yeah we're just we just got to go what is what are these look at these guys what they're doing and they're yeah. like, yeah, bitch, watch us. We're going to keep but, doing it. But they're, but they're the subjects of history, and we're all just living in it, baby. But, yeah. but I, I want to say something that, 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 you know, he said that they're actors of history. And, you know, famously, an actor did affect history very much by, by, by unfortunately, <laughs> terminating Abraham Lincoln. And there is absolutely, there is absolutely, I want to say this very vaguely. There's absolutely no reason why you yourself can't become an actor in history. <laughs> right? We're all just players on the world stage, baby. Never think. Here's the thing. They, you know, what the drone program taught us anything is that nobody is untouchable. <laughs> and with that, thank you so much, Matt. And uh, in a video and, game, and Billy. In a video game. In a video game. In a video game. In a video game. In the new modern warfare game. In the Revenant. What's it called? Valorant. 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 Shit is. Yes. Yes. Uh, you can play as any character you want. Is a uh, actor on the stage of Valorant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we well, should. Yeah. Well, let's say goodbye then with all the boys here. Yes. Brace and, Brace and Liz, always a joy, always a pleasure. Can't always. wait for 
can't wait for Cora to be lifted so I can um, embrace you in my arms once again. <laughs> I would love to be held like a like a like a suckling at your breast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Adios. Bye-bye. Salute. Salute. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.